When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. And here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Savannah Brooks, Agent Supreme, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Mel. Oh, don't be be silly. I've been waiting (laughs) to invite you for years, before you were born. Um, Before we start, I always forget to introduce the program out of excitement. So uh, my name is Mel Rosenberg, and I'm the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And I am here with Savannah Brooks, uh, who is in Minneapolis, where it isn't cold yet, but it soon (laughs) will be. Hi, Savannah. It's kind of funny having a name Savannah and living in Minnesota. How did that happen? Well, my mom is from Savannah, Georgia. (laughs) Um, So it is, my full name is actually Savannah Laurel Brooks, which is about as Southern as my parents are. Um, I was born in Chicago, but they are from Alabama and Georgia. So representative of them. (laughs) It's a good thing my mother didn't decide to call me Winnipeg. I don't know. That could be cute. (laughs) You think? Yeah, Winnie, Peggy, you got options, Mel. Well, actually, it started out as a, you know, as Winnie the Pooh, so that's not bad. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, there's a whole story there, but uh, we can talk about it later. Um, so, 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 Savannah, you talk about your new job. You have a new job. You're associate agent at KT Literary. Uh, you just moved. You're up and coming. You're, you're moving ahead. Tell us about it, about it. Yeah, yeah. So I moved from the Jennifer D. Kayara Literary Agency about a year ago, a year and a month ago, and moved up to being a literary agent at KT Literary. Um, And, you know, there were like pretty exciting things that came with that step forward. I started opening up to other age groups and genres, although it's not kid lit stuff. So I don't know how how applicable that is here. Um, But it just, you know, it felt like a a big step um, to move up to a literary agent, you know, being an associate agent previously, um, and to focusing on sort ah, of so, your... now, so now you're a full agent. Yep, now I'm a full agent. Not, not, not that I knew the difference. It, it, <laughs> it means you get to keep the whole 15%? Uh, it does not mean that you get to keep the whole 15%. That's usually, well, not every senior agent gets that either. Sometimes that split is 12 and three, um, but usually a senior agent moves above 10%. So we're, let, let's hope that you move up there very quickly. Yeah, yeah, right. So in a couple of years, ask me again. All right. And and you've recently, you had a, like a, a part-time job, and now this is what you do full-time. Yeah, so I was a professor. Um, well, I suppose I should say I was a lecturer at the University of Minnesota, and I love teaching. I've taught in some capacity for a long time. Uh, I still teach writing classes through the Loft Literary Center, but I was at the University of Minnesota and um, was teaching in their lit program, and they have a publishing certificate program. And I love that, but yes, it's really, really exciting to be able to step into agenting full-time. Uh, it took about seven years, <laughs> but we're there. Um, yeah, and so, you know, I just 
all day, every day, get to focus on this amazing job. It's wonderful. And, uh, and um, I saw somewhere that people can consult with you. I think through um, MSWL, I'm not sure. Uh, yep. can, you, can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, so through the Manuscript Academy, uh, which is, yeah, the counterpart of manuscriptswishlist.com, uh, you can do a variety of different consultations, uh, like different time consultations and also how much, you know, it can just be a conversation about like a query letter or I can read the first like 10 or 15 pages. I can't totally remember. Um, and I, I mean, I really love those. I think it's really helpful for, you know, an act, agent to actually get eyes on your work or eyes on your query letter and give you, you know, kind of prescriptive feedback, which can be really helpful, especially if you feel like your query letter isn't getting the bites that you want. Um, it's pretty rare that you get to just sit down with a publishing professional and talk to them, you know, which is kind of one of the problems in publishing, uh, that it is so opaque. Um, but it's nice that there are these avenues that you can do that. Okay, so we, we will add a, a link where people can, uh, can consult with you. And um, let's, let's talk a bit about the, the odds. Um, most of the agents that I have had on the show are seasoned agents. Um, they're pretty full up. Uh, they see thousands of manuscripts a year. They take maybe a small handful. Uh, the odds are a thousand or three thousand to one. It's like um, Robert Munch's uh, my favorite uh, paperback princess, where uh, the um, the dragon says, "I've already eaten twenty princesses today. Uh, come back tomorrow." <laughs> so, yeah. so, so, are you actually looking for clients? This would be wonderful if you were. Yeah, yeah, you know, I closed to queries actually for the first time in my career for health reasons. I have long COVID, uh, but I'm opening up after Labor Day, which is this coming weekend, which is so wild. Uh, and that's really exciting. I mean, that's one of the things about, you know, moving to agenting full time is you do have some of those slots open up. Um, and, you know, once you get to a point where you're pretty regularly landing your clients with editors, so you're pretty regularly selling projects, especially debut projects, um, you know, if, if you can kind of think about it as like checkers, right, you have people moving forward on the board, and so now you have another spot open. Um, that is kind of what the math of agenting is. So when you get to the point where it feels like you can move into a full-time agent is usually when you are like selling a good amount of those projects um, and freeing up some of your list space to work on, you know, the projects that my clients and I edit together before I send them out to editors. So, so that's wonderful. I, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot because I would love to have you for an agent, but uh, let's talk about it. What are you, what are you looking for? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of everything. <laughs> I always tell myself that I should narrow that down so much, uh, but I never do because I love everything. So, you know, I let, 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 let me help you. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I, I read. I read a little bit. You're interested in everything. Yeah, and al almost everything and combat sports. Yes. <laughs> so combat sport book about everything. Um, yeah, you know, I, I started my agenting career in Kidlet, and that is, you know, always where most of my heart's going to be. Um, I just, I love books for kids. I think that books make people better people. I think that books teach kids all sorts of incredibly important life skills. Um, and so I'm always, you know, open to really every age group, nonfiction and fiction in the kidlet world. Um, and then open to a whole lot of things in adult fiction as well. Um, 
I'm still not open to adult nonfiction through queries, although I do uh, like reach out to folks about that. And so hopefully at some point in the future, I'll open to that. Um, but I'm guessing that we mostly want to talk about the kidlet stuff here. Yes, I, I, you wouldn't be the agent for my book on the history of Gibraltar anyway. <laughs> you know, I don't know how interesting <laughs> is that, you know? I have to write it first. Uh, okay, so so uh, let, let, let's go back to, uh, to Savannah, uh, your childhood. Because if you're in this business, if, if we can call it a business, um, there's a reason that you're here. Yeah. How did you get, get here? Start at birth. Yeah, you know, um, I this is actually a time when I like to be like really, really open about my own life because I think that it highlights just how important books can be. Uh, I was a kid with really, really severe mental health issues. I was suicidal when I was a preteen. Um, and, you know, I... I was really lost in the world. And at this point, this was like the early 2000s, you know, I think we're having much bigger and better conversations about mental health now, but we weren't then, especially, you know, about kids. Uh, and books saved my life. I mean, truly, books really saved my life. There were book series that I would jump into when I didn't feel like I could really survive the day. Um, you know, they kept me from from making those things, mistakes that you can't take back. Uh, and so I know, I know how important they can be, and I know how life-changing they can be for the better, right? Um, in ways, obviously, both huge in my case, but also in like really, really small ways too. And so, I, you know, I love to write. Um, I've loved a ton of creative endeavors in my life, but writing became very precious to me because of that, because of my own experience. Um, and books became really precious to me because of that. And so I went to college during the recession and I sold out. I majored in business. I got a job in corporate America. I stayed there for seven months before I was like, I can't do this. Uh, and then I decided to go to grad school and I got my MFA in creative writing. Um, and my undergraduate degree is in marketing. So it actually ended up being extremely helpful. Having a marketing degree and a creative writing degree is pretty much just being a literary agent in a nutshell. Um, and I wasn't actually sure I wanted to be an agent. I just knew I wanted to work in publishing. And so I was in Minneapolis. I got my MFA at Hamlin University, which is in St. Paul. But I was here in the Twin Cities. And I really thought that I wanted to be- One, second, one second, for those of us who don't know about Minnesota, yes. Minnesota and Minneapolis, St. Paul is just Minnesota, is just Minneapolis with another name. <laughs> um, People in Minneapolis would say yes, but don't tell anyone in St. Paul I said that. There's, there's nobody here from St. Paul, sorry. <laughs> I've actually lived in St. Paul and Minneapolis, so I can't, I have to have both. Um, All right. But yeah, I'm a Minneapolis girl now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so Minneapolis actually has an incredible literary scene. We've got three like highly, highly regarded um, presses on the adult side, We've got Milkweed, Grey Wolf, and Coffee House. And then we have three really phenomenal presses on the kidlit side. We've got Lerner, um, Capstone, and then we've got 1517 has Beaming Books. Um, so we've got those three as well. And I really thought I wanted to be an editor and I was really stoked to be an editor. And the editors at those houses never leave. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it was looking like I wanted to move to New York and I love visiting New York, but I just wouldn't ever want to live there. Um, 
And then I was lucky enough to land a remote internship at the Jennifer D. Kyara Literary Agency uh, and didn't know a whole lot about agenting, didn't know if it was really what I wanted to do. And then just immediately loved that you still get, you know, to flex that editorial muscle, but you also get to build these lifelong relationships with your authors. Um, you know, I started agenting when I was 26, I think. Um, yeah, started, you know, sort of building my own list when I was 26. I think. And some of the people I signed were a couple years younger than me, you know, so it's like, we could be working together for like 30 years, you know, and that's pretty amazing when you think about it. There aren't a whole lot of jobs where you get that. Um, yes, and Anna also Anger, who's a, 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 a well-known agent, uh, told us a few weeks ago that she prefers working with dead people. <laughs> she has a lot of estates of authors that she... Uh, and, and nobody and nobody argues with her or phones her in the middle of the night. Hey, what's happening? Um, yeah, that is nice. <laughs> so, um, so I think question begs itself. You have a master's degree in in fine writing, and you are yourself an author. And most agents, perhaps, are not authors or frustrated authors. Um, tell us about your frustration as an author. Do you have do you have an agent? Uh, well, no. So I guess I shouldn't say I'm an author because I haven't had anything published um, and I haven't really focused on my own writing all that much um, <laughs> you know not to sound like too sacrifice too self-sacrificing here because that's not how I mean it but when I was in my master's program one of the things that I just had like a very very upfront eyewitness of was the kinds of voices that we were considering to be our literary voice were incredibly homogeneous and I did not like that. Um, and I didn't think it was representative of, you know, the literary America that I really know and love. And so I have always kind of been a mission oriented agent. Um, I'm always looking for the stories that I think that we really need the stories that aren't there, the stories for kids like myself who are really struggling in this world. Um, and that is like a huge part of of my identity as an agent, but also, you know, why I do this work. And it just I love writing and I love my own stories. But that is not as fulfilling to me as helping other people tell the stories they really need to tell. Um, you know, I think that my stories and my words are really important, but it's not a story or words that you haven't heard before necessarily. Right. Um, I think it's great. It's phenomenal, you know, but it's still coming from a voice that you hear fairly often. Uh, it means a lot more to me to find those stories that you don't get to hear all that often and help put them out in the world. Um, you know, that's just work I'm really proud to be a part of. So I, I always ask my um, interviewees uh, <laughs> to, to what age they write. Because my, my contention is if you write picture books as I do, you're a five-year-old at heart. Um, how old are you at heart, Savannah? Uh, well, I'm a few different ages at heart. Um, I primarily write for young adults and adults, um, but I do have a couple like picture book ideas that I just sort of absolutely adore. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge animal person. like. I have an entire sleeve that's all plants and animals native to Minnesota. I'm also like a crazy, weird Minnesota person. Um, and so, you know, there are, I have like picture book ideas, kind of like specific to Minnesota and different animals. And 
you know, things that are just really joyful to write about, which I think is, I mean, for an agent, at least that's part of why I love wrapping picture books as they are. They're just so joyful and so empowering. Uh, so I would say I am between the ages of five and 45. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. It's an it original. It's an original answer. Um, so, but, but I, I would contend, you know, you talked about the, the hardships of growing up and, and how books saved you, but um, I, so many people are the same way, you know, they carry around a, metaphorically their picture books their whole lives. Um, I carry Madeline around. Um, everybody, I think, who's been exposed at the age of five to picture books carries some book through their whole life. What five-year-old? What five-year-old book does Savannah? What book does the five-year-old Savannah Brooks carry around? I was not super original in "Oh, Where the Wild Things Are." That was my very, very. I mean, I just I I felt very akin to Max, um, but also you know just that kind of freedom of playfulness of being able to stomp around and be growly and be a monster. Um, so th this is really interesting, and, and part of the reason I like to do these interviews is you know you do some research and you read and this and that, and then where the wild things are, and that, that's not I don't think it's an intentional will book. It's it's not like Maurice Sendak wake up in the morning and says that. There isn't a book about Max. Um, <laughs> I have to write one. But but you've been interviewed and you talk about and, and you talked a little bit about now. And I want to delve into this because it's 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 uniquely yours. This intentional writing. Mm -hmm. Um and, and yet you carry around with you a book that really isn't intentional writing. He's not writing about wildfires uh or specific animals. Um it's a it's a Michigan a, a really Michigan book, <laughs> and much and much and much love because it's a wild book on where the wild things are. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think for me, why where the wild things are resonates so much is it's it's one of the first books that really gives kids permission to to explore the side of themselves that isn't necessarily childlike in what they might think of as being childlike you know it's it's grumpy it's unhappy it's um it's these kind of negative emotions and i feel like a lot of times children are really frightened of negative emotions um you know because they feel very powerful i mean you know when i i uh i work with toddlers also i, I volunteer in uh, early childhood development and i work with toddlers and whenever i watch toddlers throw tantrums you know i'm always like god that's it's it's huge feelings for a tiny body uh and you know that that has to be really overwhelming in a lot of ways um and so it's a book that kind of allows you to explore that overwhelm and I think especially at the time, you know, we were still kind of transitioning out of this phase where children really were not supposed to be monstrous. Um, they really were supposed to be quiet, you know, more of seen and not heard. And then you have a book that kind of challenges that. Um, yeah, and, and lets kids explore in a healthy way, again, which, you know, I feel like it's, that is such a huge thing about picture books, um, is how, how do you explore your emotions in a healthy way? Absolutely. So it, it, is it is it possible? It, it's very hard for an author to actually get a, a real feel for what 
you're looking for. And maybe that's because you're not sure what you're looking for. But what, what, what picture book would you like to see next week on your computer? Yeah, you know, the, the books that I'm looking to represent are a lot more specific than the books that I really love to read. Um, and part of that just has to do with like myself as an editor. I think for agents, that is a really big consideration is what am I good at editing? What do I feel like I can really help, um, you know, develop with this author? Uh, and so for me, you know, that does tend to be more serious picture books on the serious side. And I love whimsical and sort of absurdist humor picture books, uh, but will admit that I usually cannot add a whole lot to that. Um, but but and, you're an agent, you're an agent now. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. But just as far as, you know, my own literary expertise and my own writing expertise, you know, what can I offer to an author? Because that is something that I'm always taking into consideration. Um, you know, I, every agent would love to have that book arrive, like right in their query manager, right in their inbox that is ready to be sold for six figures. Uh, but that doesn't happen all that often. And so typically you are looking at, you know, what kind of what kind of like creative career can I create with someone? At least that's what I'm looking for, because I I am such a creative person and I do come from such a creative background, um, you know, that I like things to be more collaborative. Um, and, you know, I was I was just I was a pretty serious kid. Uh, and I just liked a lot of serious books. And I also think that a lot of times those are the books that really help parents and guardians and educators. Um, you know, how do you have a conversation about race relations in America if you teach in a really rural school district that's 99% white, right? And if you're a white teacher, you know, how do you have that conversation? picture books, right? That's a great time to bring in picture books. Um, so always thinking too about those books that help other people understand what kids might need, because kids can't always explain that. And frankly, it shouldn't be up to them <laughs> to have to explain it. You know, as adults, we should already know. Okay. But you've also written that you're interested in other holidays and other cultures and other voices and other countries. How does that work in a country uh, where, where I would say that Americans are mostly interested in Americans. Yeah, you know, I would say, how do we get Americans to stop mostly being interested in Americans if we don't publish these books, right? Um, and one of the things about Minneapolis that I adore, and one of the things that is like a ton of pride of this area is that, you know, Minnesota, but the Twin Cities specifically, we are one of the largest refugee relocation centers in America, right? And so we have, you know, huge populations, we have a huge Hmong population, we have huge Somali populations. Um, and, and so, you know, that that is my America, right? Uh, that is what I'm seeing in the classrooms. That is what I'm hearing when I'm walking around. And I want that to be represented, right? Um, because that is how I consider America. And if you want to go back to really the roots, uh, how could we not consider that to be America, right? I mean, my great grandparents immigrated from Lebanon. Um, mm -hmm. And man, don't I wish I had more of a connection to Lebanon, but I don't. And so I personally want to fight back against that kind of culture because we lose so much. We lose so much when we don't, you know, when we don't embrace all of the different stories that we have here. Because frankly, what is an American story? 
right? If it's not a Native American story, um, it's a story of descendants of immigrants, right? <laughs> Absolutely, but if you um, if you come upon a story um, of a um, a penguin that ends up in Beirut by accident, and it's a good story, you might represent it. Well, I don't usually represent books that have animal main characters. I actually really don't represent books that have animal main characters. But if it was a child who ended up in Beirut, yeah. Okay, so here you see now we're, 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 we're um, what's the word in English? We're homing in on Savannah's likes and dislikes. So you love animals. You have a whole sleeve of animals. You have cat A and cat B. Yes. But you wouldn't like a story in which the cat was the MC, the main character. No. You do you like books that are anthropomorphized? Now I'm really, really only interested in books that have kids as the main character, unless they're strictly informational books, right? Because that's, you know, nonfiction books about animals, obviously you're not gonna have a bunch of kids in there. Um, but yeah, anything fictional, I want a child to be the main character. Okay, so that's very helpful to all the people who are listening. You want to show us please some of the books that you've sold? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I would love to. Um, so I have here a couple books from um, the same author. So this, my author, Ty Chapman. And uh, Sarah Rising, this was actually not the very first book I sold, but the first book that came out. And uh, this is just a book that's like extraordinarily near and dear to my heart because it's based on the Minneapolis uprising that happened after the murder of George Floyd. And so, I mean, you can see from the cover, it's it's a very political book. It's about a girl and her and her dad who go to a police brutality protest. What, when did it come out? When did it come out, Savannah? Uh, it came out in twenty May of twenty two. Yes, I was like, this came out May of twenty three. What year is it? <laughs> May of twenty two. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this is, and it came out through Beaming Books, which is here in Minneapolis. And so this happens to people who live in New York all the time, but I live in Minneapolis, I lives in Minneapolis, the editors live in Minneapolis. Um, and, you know, we were all part of this like major historical event. Um, you know, we all walked in these protests, right? And so to be able to publish a book about it was pretty incredible. Um, and then Ty's uh, sophomore picture book, Looking for Happy, which is all about uh, mental health and especially what mental health looks like, you know, for black boys, which are books that we don't have a ton of. Um, this came out the next year, so May of 23. Um, and then the first book I sold, but not the Sa first book. Sa Savannah, I would love to interview Ty. Please yeah, connect that would be us. Awesome. Please connect yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. By, by, the, by the way, the sign of a, a good agent who's been on the show is I get emails afterwards. Mel, my client, so on and so forth, has just published. Would you like to interview him? Oh, that's or, awesome. Or, or her. Yeah. Yeah, no, Ty is great. I mean, he's phenomenal on a show, too. Uh, so I'll definitely, I'll get y'all in touch. Wonderful. And, and anything else? Yeah. Um, IP. IP. And, you know, actually, that's kind of perfect because this is also so a, also a book by Ty. Um, and this is a case of IP where you're actually working with another author who doesn't write for children. So Tyler Merritt wrote um, a memoir called I Take My Coffee Black, and it's all about his life as a black man in the entertainment industry. And then they wanted to do a picture book version of that. Right. And so 
Tyler Merritt's not a picture book writer. Um, so that will happen sometimes with IP is that, you know, you'll get an email from an editor that says, um, you know, hey, I have an author here. We're trying, looking for a picture book version of this book, you know, specifically wants it to be written by a black man. Would your author be interested in doing this? Um, and so those are really, you know, kind of direct IP requests that you get. But then sometimes you also get IP requests that are, um, you know, a little bit more of like, would your author, you know, do you have an author who'd be interested in writing something or would your author be interested in adding in a title for um, a continuing series, right? So Capstone has the Jake Maddox series, which are sports books. Uh, and so my author, Stacey Wells, who's Native American, right, you know, was uh, one of the editors at Capstone reached out and was like, you know, we would love to have a hoop dancing book you know, basically, like if your author will be interested in writing it. Um, so sometimes you get asked to do continuing series kind of things too. And that's a little bit more common, I would say, um, is that, you know, you're, you might not have your name on an IP project until you have a little bit of a background, more of a background to yourself. But I mean, I think IP is really great. It's a great way for authors to break into an industry. It's also a way that unagented authors can break into an industry, um, especially with picture books, you know, like you could pitch a series to learner or capstone, they might not take it, um, but they also might and say, hey, yeah, we would love to partner with you to write that. Um, so it's I feel like it's a really great avenue that we don't talk about a whole lot and people might not necessarily know all the opportunities. So it's great that you're bringing it up. Exactly. <laughs> You should write about this. It's very, very interesting. So um, what we haven't talked about your advice as an agent who receives probably hundreds of queries a month, starting on the 5th of September. Um, yep. And I, I hope you find a lot of jewels there. Um, what is what is your advice? There's so many uh, authors, aspiring authors who are uh, who are listening and watching. Um, what is your best advice? Yeah, you know, I have I have more of like a advice on the project itself and then sort of advice on like sort of the mindset of querying. Um, and I'll start with advice on the project itself, um, which is especially for picture book writers, since that is a lot of people who are listening. You know, oftentimes if you're submitting to agents, you might just be querying with one picture book, but they're probably gonna ask to see probably three or four picture book manuscripts. And I would say really, really polished manuscripts that hone your writing breadth, right? Um, because that is gonna be really, really important. As a picture book author, you're very, very quickly gonna run out of book ideas if you only write in one style or if you only write for one idea. Um, and then I'd say, you know, overall, I always recommend getting someone else's eyes on your project before you submit it. Um, so finding critique partners and writing groups and beta readers are, I mean, it's just so helpful to have that community, but also we're so close to our work. It can be really hard to see when there's like a major plot hole because in our brains, it's not there. You know, in our brains, the story is perfectly explained on the page. Um, and so having someone else, you know, look something over and I would say probably not like your parents or your significant other because they're just going to talk about how amazing it is, um, you know, but someone who will be honest and probably someone who also writes in the genre, right? You're going to want that too. Um, you know, and then I'd say for the mindset of querying is, you know, querying is 
is brutal always, but we definitely are still feeling, you know, that backup from COVID. Um, I mean, you had like agents like myself who had never closed to queries before, who closed to queries for a long time because, you know, you had health issues or you were so backlogged um, or we were having trouble selling books in the last couple of years, you know, so it, it wasn't moving authors, you know, up on that checkerboard forward and we weren't getting more of those empty spaces. Um, and that was pretty tough. So I would say, in the past few years, if authors have been like, oh my gosh, querying is extra brutal, I'd say, you are right, it has been extra brutal. Um, but, you know, we're starting to see that kind of unravel on the editor, you know, some of those knots unravel on the editor side. Projects are moving out faster than they were before. Um, you know, so, so hopefully that, all of that's going to move and we're going to start getting publishing flowing the way it was before. Um, you know, but I would say it's just, Querying is such a matter of timing and it's such a matter of a million things going right at once, which is why, you know, when you're talking about those odds, right, it's why those odds are so hard. Um, because, you know, you kind of have to land in that perfect sweet spot of, I don't have a writer who's writing about really similar stuff, right, because you don't want authors to cannibalize each other. Um, but I want you to be writing about stuff I feel like I can sell. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I can't have too many people who are writing about the same thing, but now I have an opening in middle grade because I've just sold these projects. Um, mm -hmm. But, but, but it's, it, it's Savannah, Savannah for authors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I recently had a traditionally published book come out here in Israel, uh, my first, and uh, it happened by, I mean, the most crazy happenstance in the world, and, and this often happens. The chances are a zillion billion to one against you, and you just have to Keep trying and persevere and, and write the best you can, right? But but that's 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 not much advice because when somebody's querying you, they really at the end of the day have no idea uh, what other projects you have in the works. Um, you know, uh, you've asked for a story uh, on Hanukkah. Maybe you have forty two stories now on Hanukkah. Um, so should I send you a story about another Jewish holiday? Um, you want combat sports, but I have a great story on hockey, should I send it to you? And maybe you have some, it's, 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 a, it's a crap shoot for the authors, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I would say it is. And, you know, unfortunately there's aren't a whole lot of ways around that. And I think part of that too is, it is kind of hard to know exactly what you want and what you don't want as an agent, you know, until you've seen it right because i might say off the bat like you know i don't know about a story about hockey but then you might send it to me and i might be like oh my gosh this is incredible um you know and all like top 10 romance novels right now are about hockey so who knows maybe it's gonna really blast off as a sport um you know so i think a lot of agents are hesitant to put too many parameters around what they don't want uh, because you know for me at least so much of what i am looking for comes down to comes down to like the actual writing right i really really love lyrical writing <laughs> i represent like nine poets sort of accidentally if yeah. savannah you see this is the the beauty of of interviewing wonderful people like you um uh, i get to ask all the questions that bug me um you know there's a book that a, a, a couple of people have read um, I want my hat back. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, so if that manuscript landed on your desk, would you say, oh, no, 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 the main character is the bear. Um, I'm not interested. 
uh, you know, yeah, I probably would not be a very good editor for I Want My Hat Back, you know, and it's has turned into one of the best selling picture book series, right? Um, I wouldn't have picked it up and so, I shouldn't have so, picked so, it up. So, so, so let, let's tell people now, if you've written yeah. a book that's that good, don't send it to Savannah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that's another thing too is, it's hard to be a literary agent and just be in it for the money. Um, just like it's hard to be an author and just be in it for the money. That was my that so, was my final final question. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not allowed. You're not allowed to ask yourself the final question. Okay. All right. Well, let's build up the tension then. Okay. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Savannah, is it all about yeah. the money? <sighs> I wish it was. Um, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, sometimes you do get, I would say actually this happens a lot. Actually, I get manuscripts that I know are gonna sell. Um, I just don't think I can sell them, right? And that is, you know, who your contacts are. It's how you're able to position a book. Um, it's how you're able to talk about a book. It's how well you know the tropes of a book, you know, and for a lot of things, I just don't know them that well. Um, you know, I would say like romance is a really good example of that is, for any age, you know, it's it's a genre that I don't really know all the beats of, so I can read a manuscript and be like, wow, I bet someone is going to turn this into a New York Times bestseller, like next Emily Henry. Um, but I'm like, but you know what? I don't know how to do that. Um, and, you know, then do I want to stunt an author's career like that? If I feel like I can't actually help them. So, so, Savannah, that? Savannah, so I, I, as an author, I think of writing for young children as a calling it's like for me it's like a religion it really has nothing to do with the money it has what we talked about at the beginning of the show the young savannah uh with life-threatening issues in her life clasping onto a book she loves as as a, as a kind of a a lifesaver mm -hmm. And I'm getting goosebumps. This for me is writing for kids. And it kind of irks me that so many people along the way, the gatekeepers um, have to keep, I, I know that this is the way it is, right? Um, that, that money is such a, a overriding issue sometimes. And, and one of the things that, that came up during your, your confession here <laughs> is that, is that uh, you're, you're, you're looking for books that have meaning, that have meaning to you and that have, meaning to, to, to communities mm -hmm. and they, they might not be random house material. Yeah. And yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to actually applaud you for that. And as an author, everything that you said would make me want to submit <laughs> even animal books to you that you're going to reject. <laughs> um, is, there any, is there anything I haven't asked you? You know, no, but I would add on to what you were just talking about there with, uh, you know, people ask me sometimes about like the statistics of how many authors do you have and how many authors do you have who get published, um, you know, and that's something that I did. I didn't ask you because I know <laughs> that's it's kind of in a weird way, kind of a point of pride for me that I'm not looking for that number to be 100 percent because I'll tell my authors, you know, I don't know if we can sell this, but we really, really should try. Um, and, you know, we we might only sell it for a thousand dollars to a small house, but 
but for all those kids who find it, you know, who cares, right? Um, you know, and, and balancing that with how do I get my authors to a point where they can can be financially stable, um, you know, that's where strategy comes into play. That's where we talk about your career as a whole. That's where we talk about, all right, do you do IP books, right, to, you know, make up some of that. Um, you know, but I'd say, how how do we break out of the super commercial mindset if we don't try, right? Um, and I and I want to try. And, and I, 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 <laughs> as, as, as somebody who has a religious conviction about picture books and, and kidlet, I'm going to applaud you for that. Uh, and um, this is a good time for us to thank everybody. Uh, we're going to send everybody home. Uh, it's been 40 minutes that passed in a blink of an eye. Oh, and then and we're going to come back and have a tete-a-tete just entre nous. And um, I'm going to thank Savannah Brooks, uh, the uh, literary agent for Katie Literary, for such a wonderful, candid interview. Really one of the best we've had on the show. And before I forget, I'm Mel Rosenberg, the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And thank you, everybody, for watching and for listening. You're a wonderful audience because I don't see you and I don't hear you. <laughs> Savannah, we're going to go and come back. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Mel. And thank you to everyone else.